Well, what do we have coming up today? Stuff like, would you rather listen to Fox's lies or CNN's lies? America's being brought down from the inside. But is it young people or is it women? Is that a really dangerous Black Lives Matter riot? Or is that just Saturday night in Chicago? What do I find more attractive? A cute 21-year-old boy or a cute 21-year-old girl on testosterone? Artificial intelligence can do modern hip-hop better than the real artists, but it can't do Pink Floyd. That sounds like white supremacy. All right, men, do not use a gun to shoot a woman. And if you do that, don't shoot the woman in the foot. And if you do that, don't shoot her in the other foot. And finally, if you do all that, do not shoot a woman who has a bunch of queer fans. But that's the kind of stuff that's coming up on this episode of the Anti-Woke Podcast. So they've dropped the charges against Alec Baldwin for that movie set shooting he was involved in like a year ago. Now this just happened, but apparently they've swapped out the pro- who, they, who's they? Someone swapped out the prosecutors who were prosecuting him, and now they got some new prosecutors who are dropping the charges, for now. And they were saying something about the gun was modified so that he couldn't have pulled the trigger. I don't know, this just happened and we don't know exactly what's going on. But the cops have had this gun for a year or longer and they never looked at it or something funky's going on, we'll see. And BuzzFeed News is shutting down, which is like an ultra-woke internet thing that, you know, lived by criticizing Trump and white people over Black Lives Matter. But it's not all of BuzzFeed, it's just BuzzFeed News. And apparently BuzzFeed owns Huffington Post, so they still got a woke news outlet thing. But some people are losing their jobs. They went, they got woke, they worked for a while, and... Maybe they're going broke. Get woke, downsize. And Trump has been doing good against DeSantis. Like, it, anyway, whoever's after that is not even really count, but I think Trump is roughly about 50% of Republicans like him. DeSantis is like at 25%. I hear a lot of people say DeSantis should just quit. Well, that seems to be the left. The left is like, oh, DeSantis doesn't have a chance. He'll never beat Trump. He should just quit. And I think it's because the left is pretty sure they can beat Trump. They're not so sure about DeSantis. I mean, I bet you right now there are Democrats donating to Trump's campaign. But for me, it's all just, it's too early. It's too early to tell. We got, I think February or something is when the people start voting for Republican. And it seems like it was that court case that is making Trump more popular and taking away from DeSantis. So, I mean, you know, this thing happens, that thing happens, it's gonna make it change. And stuff is changing with artificial intelligence so fast, you need like a weekly update. So NVIDIA came out with text to video. So now you can say, Make me a movie with a cat driving a car and the camera is behind the cat and it swings out in front of the cat or whatever. And it will just make the video for you. 
They are not letting normal people do this like they are for other AI stuff though. Cause you can imagine first thing people are gonna do is like think up some crazy type of porn and have it make it for them. And someone else has gotten thought to text to work. So they put you in a MRI. They had previously been able to do thought to image. So they put you in an MRI and show you a picture of a giraffe or something. And then the AI will read your mind and say, and show a picture of a giraffe. But now what it is, they show you a picture of a giraffe and the AI says, the subject is looking at a picture of a giraffe. I mean, basically, I think that's when it works the best. But anyways, it can kind of read your mind. So, you know, if you got a shoplifter or something, it, you know, MRI costs a thousand dollars. Probably if the government pays for it, it probably costs 10 grand, but you could be, you could basically put your shoplifter in an MRI thing and have the AI <laughs> read his mind and say, he's guilty. So that's coming in however many years or months or weeks, the way stuff's going. And the AIs that you can use are set up so they will not give you financial advice, but people have been figuring out a way to word the question so that it doesn't trigger that prohibition. And turns out the AI is like super good at picking stocks. And then some company is hooking AI up with attractive anime characters. So you can chat with your AI and have it look like a smoking hot, whatever you're into. And Samsung phones are dropping Google as their search because Microsoft Bing with AI is so much better. So like there's a lot of there's a lot of money that just sloshed around the table on that one. So an AI wrote a Drake weekend song. Drake and the Weekend are some famous hip hop artists. And a lot of people think that the song is just as good or possibly better than the other songs by these people. And my guess is that, you know, modern hip hop is total shit. Uh, so it's probably easier for AI to replicate. But that means in a year, AI will probably be able to do, you know, new Beatles songs that are, I guess, better than the Beatles. And I guess your, you know, your individualized Spotify or whatever will be uh, make me songs that are like the Beatles not the Beatles but like the Beatles and it will just give you a never-ending string of amazing songs that are like the Beatles it's gonna be crazy wrong place wrong time crime coverage wrong place wrong time crime coverage so the past Newsweek started with an incident where an 84-year-old white man shot a 16-year-old black boy who rang his doorbell. And the media was like pigs in shit because it fit their narrative. America's racist, if you hadn't heard. I guess the 16-year-old, he was supposed to be picking up his twin younger brothers, but he went to the wrong house. He went to like a hundred elm street instead of a hundred elm place or something like that and the boy was shot twice including once in the head but he lived and i think they're saying he's going to make a full recovery but he rang the doorbell the old man was in bed 
took like five minutes for him to come to the door. He had an inner normal door and then a glass storm door. So he opened the inner door and then shot the kid. Shot him in the head. Maybe when he fell down, shot him again through the glass. And I think the only differences in their stories is that the old man said the kid reached for the door handle or grabbed the door handle. And if that old man doesn't come up with a better story about why he was afraid and protecting himself, uh, I want to say he's going down for murder, but the kid lived. But he, so he'll be going down for whatever, whatever you do when they live. And like I say, the media was very happy. Um, people got out their signs and went marching. Um, a lot of white people went marching, but black people too. The media was happy because they didn't have to just go to guns are bad. They had white people were bad. I mean, you know, that's their preferred narrative. You know, and if, if it isn't a white person, then they just say guns are bad. But the coverage went on for a couple days, and then some white girl with their friends, they turned into the wrong driveway. And like a 65-year-old white man shot at them, killing a 20-year-old white girl. And then maybe the next day after that, like the Michael Jordan of high school cheerleading was in a parking lot. I think she tried. She, she, she saw a car that looked like her car or something. She tried to get into the wrong car, and a younger Mexican man, or sorry, Hispanic man, shot her, shot at her car, killed her. I think she's dead. I don't know. So anyways, the media got to call America racist and say it only happened because it was a black boy eh, for a couple days, and then there's these other inconvenient shootings. I mean, I don't know how often people go to the wrong house or try and get in the wrong car and then get killed. I think there's almost 75 murders per day in America, so it's probably one of these things happening every single day. Or maybe seven of them on the weekend and zero on the week, but still averaging out to one a day. And I try and, I keep an eye on the media to try and figure out what, you know, what, what's America being told here? And I think the NPR that I listened to, I think they mentioned the black boy being shot. And then instead of mentioning the white girl and then the mixed girl who got shot, um, I think they just stopped talking about the black boy. That was their reaction. If you stop talking about him, you don't have to mention the white version. And NBC Nightly News, which you can watch on YouTube, they came up with this idea of a wrong place shooting. Like they'd have a big graphic that would come on this screen before they sent their reporters to stand in front of the house where it happened or the parking lot where it happened and uh, they'd be like wrong place shooting and I was kind of wondering why is it that I watch NBC nightly news on YouTube every day but I never watch you know ABC or CBS and so I went look I went I wanted to see I wanted to see how they were covering it the answer is those those channels do not put their nightly news in its entirety, you know, the half-hour show. They don't put it on YouTube, so that's why I don't watch them. But basically, if you watched NBC nightly news for the whole week, you know, like, you know, if you watch it every night like a lot of people do, I think you got the correct impression. You know, the week started like, oh my God, America's racist shooting black boys. And then after a few days, you're like, oh, actually, this just happens to anyone. And they, they, pretty, they played it pretty straight, pretty impartial. And I think if you watch that show, you got the right impression of what's really going on in America. And I think, 
on the ABC and CBS, they still have stuff on YouTube, just not the entirety of the show. But it looks like they are trying to give you the wrong impression. Like ABC, which is owned by Disney, they have like an hour-long thing that's kind of like their nightly news show. And on that one, they, gave, they did a real long segment about the black kid who got shot. And then they waited maybe 20 minutes into the show to do a real short segment on the two other people who got shot. So they're like, you know, they're like, half of the viewers will have turned off the channel at this point, so they'll only know about the black boy who got shot, and we've, we've deceived them correctly again. But like I say, that's my guess. I haven't seen the actual nightly news show. And I looked up some ratings. It's about, it's like, 9 million watch ABC, 8.5 watch NBC, and then 5.5 watch CBS. So a decent chunk of America, you know, maybe more than a third. 40% of America maybe is getting the right impression. Or, you know, 40% of nightly news watchers. So that's pretty good. And I don't think it's a bunch of right-wing people, so... People on the left are unfortunately being told the truth. Some of them. And then they caught the guys in the Sweet 16 mass shooting from the previous week. I mentioned that before. I think four people were killed, but 28 people were shot and lived. So it was crazier than the way I said it. And it just turned out to be a couple of, well, it was like a black 17-year-old and a black 20-year-old, and then another one they haven't caught yet. Anyways, obviously they don't mention race and say, oh, hey, mass shootings are done by, most of them are done by black people or anything like that. But they showed the face of the people who got caught. And so I think America is starting to go, hmm. Basically, the week started, it was like, yeah, we could all go back to mass shooters or racist killers or blah, blah. And then, I don't know, I think the week didn't work out too hot for the woke. And then Twitter was... Whatever, the internet, I think, had a lot of footage of what happened in Chicago over the weekend. I don't, I don't think the, you know, Joe Blow, normal, normie news watcher got to see a lot of the video. They probably saw a little bit of video. But anyways, it's, Chicago is kind of, it's like they're doing Black Lives Matter riots still, except that it has nothing to do with Black Lives Matter. Basically, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I think, I think it's Snapchat. Young black people in Chicago are going on Snapchat and saying, hey, let's all go to some famous part of Chicago tonight. And they would go there, hundreds of them, and they would jump on top of cars and break out the windows and twerk, grab random passerbys and beat the shit out of them, and do it all on camera. And Chicago has recently elected a new mayor. He's not in office yet, but he's the mayor-elect. And he's a black guy who supports defund the police, or he did support it. I think he doesn't say those particular words anymore, but all the news was like, hey, what do you think about all this looting and rioting in downtown Chicago? And whatever, he support, he, he didn't say it, but he supports it. Like, you know, do you, do you condemn it? And he wouldn't say that he condemned it. He's like, businesses are looting the black neighborhoods. That's what I condemn. And I guess it was good weather, right? You know, you do not riot in the snow and the wind and the rain. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I think the weather's just starting to get good. Is Chicago, 
is this going to be a new thing? Like we had all our Black Lives Matter riots, plus a little January 6th. And then we had those flash mob robberies where you, a whole bunch of youth runs in and grabs whatever they want from the store and runs out. And then Chicago, they're closing down the Walmarts. And so maybe this is the new thing. As we go into the summer, we're going to, it's like recreational rioting. And then if you're woke, you blame corporations. So just keep an eye out for that stuff. Because of that first wrong place shooting, I decided to go look up some stats. And sometimes you'll hear that whites murder whites and blacks murder blacks. Or that most people are murdered by someone of the same race as them. And that is true, but it... So that's doing raw numbers. When you do statistics, you can always do raw numbers or you can do per capita. And maybe in one of these episodes I'll go into which one you choose and when, but um, anyways, per capita is the correct one in this situation. So I decided to double check per capita stuff and per capita, um, black people murder whites more than whites murder whites. So, I mean, we know blacks, or hopefully you know, blacks murder other blacks at a phenomenal rate compared to every other group in America, but it turns out blacks also murder whites. I mean, it's very close. It's very close. In 2019, according to the FBI anyways, blacks just barely murder whites more than whites murder whites. And we don't have all the stats, but my guess is after 2020 and George Floyd, I bet blacks murder whites significantly more than they used to per capita. But in any case, the media was real happy to have a white-on-black shooting, but reality, statistics, it's the exact opposite of the truth. They can't handle the truth. All right, this is Sunday night. YouTube is starting to crack down on Dylan Mulvaney stuff. Let's talk about the movies. Super Mario Brothers is coming in on 900 million. It's going to make a billion. Have to wait and see if it gets 1.4 billion to beat Frozen 2, Disney's biggest animated movie. The four biggest movies since the pandemic have been Spider-Man 3, Avatar 2, Top Gun 2, and now Super Mario Brothers. And all of those are not woke. Not anti-woke, but they're not woke. So we'll see if Disney and movies get the message, or maybe they have to double down on the trans thing now. And so the number two movie was Evil Dead Rises, a horror movie. It's basically Evil Dead number five, so a sequel. Everything's a sequel. And everything's a sequel of something from my childhood, like Evil Dead. And it has a low budget, so it's going to make money. It's it's not a huge hit, but it's going to make money. I think it has a budget under $20 and it's made $40 worldwide, so right there it breaks even theatrically. And it's a movie about a mom who is in, dies and is taken over by a demon and terrorizes her family. And she has, I believe, three daughters. It's like two teenagers. I mean, I think the actresses are in their early 20s. And then like a, a little kid daughter. And I've seen some reviews. They're like, I don't know how, you know, apparently the movie is so crazy. They're like, I don't know how you let this little girl be on the set 
while they're doing all this crazy stuff. But the trailer just pretty much shows the mom and you get little flashes of the the kids and the it's, normally Evil Dead takes place in a fort in the woods, but this time it's in an apartment building. Anyway, this is all an excuse on my part because then I heard there was a transgender actor in it. And so I think I kind of went back and was looking at the trailer and I was like, boy, that boy, boy, oh boy, that boy is hot. But I was wrong. That was a girl playing a girl. And so I guess it's not three daughters, it's whatever, whatever it is. But anyways, it's a 21-year-old Australian, born a girl, now a man, I guess playing a son. And I took a second look at them, and they're also kind of hot. So I guess it's too late to say, pause this thing and go watch the trailer. But uh, if you've already watched the trailer, think back on it and see what you remember. And last week, I forgot to mention, but the number 10 movie at the box office was a movie called Nefarious, which is, it was some sort of Christian movie. It made the top 10 at number 10, and I think now it's out of the top 10, but not only are they kind of like bigger budget and making more money Christian movies, but anyways, it's just, it's just another Christian movie. So I imagine it is not woke, and... I'm just keeping an eye on how many, you know, I think half the weeks have a Christian movie in the top 10. So two wide releases in a row. Um, Hispanics were the biggest segment of the movie-going audience. They were the biggest for Super Mario Brothers, and now they're the biggest for Evil Dead Rise. Um, Evil Dead Rise is 35% Hispanic, 33% white, 16% black, 16% Asian. And so actually the same thing happened for both those movies. Hispanic and Asian both came up huge. White people are not going to the movies much at all. And then blacks are even. I think it's also young men that help both those movies do well. And Evil Dead Rise got a B cinema score, so supposedly for a horror movie that's good. For a normal movie that would be terrible. TikTok was suggesting some Bud Light trans woman videos to me the other day. And they had one where there's a big burly guy with a big beard wearing a sports jersey. And he says to the camera, watch me chug two Bud Lights. And he has a Bud Light in a bottle and he takes off the cap and he chugs it. And then he starts walking away from the camera and the girl who's holding the camera is like, I thought you said you're gonna chug two Bud Lights. And he says, I did. And then as he's walking farther away, the camera gets a larger frame of the scene. And you see that his pants are down and there's a Bud Light bottle up his ass. And it made me chuckle. Um, I think there's definitely a different censorship level on TikTok than on the big tech, big dogs like YouTube and Facebook. I think those sites would call it homophobic and not allow you to put up a bunch of videos like that. And I don't know if TikTok just can't handle censoring such a popular website or if they don't care. But they got these amusing Bud Light videos on there and some of them are like, you know, a lot of them have a similar theme where it'll be like someone will take a sip of Bud Light and then they'll be acting like they're a woman. 
and then maybe they'll grab a different beer and then boom they'll go back to being the normal person they were but some of the videos like that it almost seems like drinking a Bud Light makes you gay. It doesn't make you a trans woman. It doesn't make you trans. It just makes you gay. And trans women are, you know, from a certain perspective, men who like to have sex with men. So, gay men. But, I don't know, it's just interesting. It seems like it's easy to make jokes about gay stuff. And so, people have just used this as an opportunity to make whatever gay jokes as opposed to really getting down in the nitty-gritty and being specific that this is a transgender joke as opposed to just a generalized gay joke and when i was younger i mean me and my friends we used to make gay jokes all the time but it wasn't like oh hey that you know whatever i was woke back then i loved me some gays um i was never we never made jokes about a specific gay person or pretty much never the joke would just be calling each other gay. And I think, you know, depending on your ease of being offended, you know, you'd be like, who cares? Or maybe that's terrible. Trying to make up a joke. Uh, like, you know, we, were, we weren't saying fag or even, you know, or that's gay. I mean, you know, in middle school you said those things. But like, I don't know, maybe if you ordered like a sweet, fruity, girly drink at a bar, you know, your friend to be like, oh, what, you like men now? And I'm going to cuss here, so skip ahead a couple minutes if you don't want to hear it. But there's something I didn't know in middle school, is that if someone makes a joke about you being gay, like, you know, what the way, the way you cut that off at the pass is you, take, is you say, yeah, I am gay, and you take it to the absolute extreme. Like, I order a pina colada... My buddy says, oh, what, you like men now? And I say, yeah, especially big black cocks right up my urethra. And you can see, if you just take it to the absolute extreme, it, it, it leaves the person who is kind of making fun of you with nothing, nowhere to go and nothing left to do. It's just like, oh, well, that ended that. But anyways, I guess, you know, if you're woke, you might look at these TikTok videos and say, look, homophobia is alive and well in America. I told you so. I whatever that's not me i you know i would say whatever gay for whatever reason gay jokes are still funny there actually is an evolution reason um people calling you gay in the past probably reduced your chances of passing on your dna blah blah but i saw another video on tiktok it was it was taking the opposite view i guess i guess it was woke I think it also had a big burly guy. I guess jokes, these jokes come better from someone who looks like that. Like a Chicago Bears fan. But, you know, it was just, he was like, you know, yeah, I drink Bud Light. I've been, drink, I've been drinking it for years. I like the way it tastes. I like, I like Bud Light. Am I going to change what I do because of some commercial? You know, that doesn't change me. That doesn't make me gay. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And that's fine. That's a perspective. It has some validity to it. But the thing was, it wasn't funny. Katie Herzog was recently on the Ethan Strauss podcast. It's good. Check it out. And she's an anti-woke lesbian who's kind of an expert on NPR. And he's a former Jewish sports reporter. He used to do locker room interviews in the NBA and work for ESPN. And they're talking about how the sports leagues got woke, how NPR got woke. 
And what happened to those big corporations or institutions? Um, it's the same thing that happened to, you know, corporations in general. Like Bud Light, for instance. Or actually, let me put it a different way. So, why, is, why did everyone get woke? Well, the theory that is sounding good to me that I'm going to talk about now is that companies that, you know, rely on consumers and customers, they notice that their customers are getting older and they're not being replaced by younger customers. And so they're going woke to try and attract the ute. And I was about to say that explains it all. And then I, and I was going to say, and that's why countries that make missiles for, you know, that kill the maximum number of people have gone woke. But it doesn't work for them. So why did the army get woke? Like when the army was getting ready to leave Afghanistan and the whole place is going to go up in flames, they were working on gay pride stuff. Like every woman in that country was about to have to stay indoors 24-7 and if she got beaten or raped or whatever, there was going to be absolutely no one to protect her. But the army was sending memos back and forth furiously about transgender rights. And so it's easy to know why the army got woke. And that's because you work for the army for 20 years or maybe less. And then you get this amazing retirement and you're like 45 years old. And then you go work for an arms company, arms manufacturer. For 20 more years and you just end up fabulously wealthy and the thing is the arms manufacturers are super woke so you may as well get start getting woke while you're a general in the army in preparation for being acceptable to your job after the army but now why is raytheon and mcdonnell douglas and other companies like that missile making companies why are they woke well if you're a white man in the c-suite at raytheon you know high up executive you have all the power, kind of. Everyone's below you. You can fire them. They can't fire you. But if someone calls you a racist or people say you're not hiring enough women or something like that, there might be, there, somehow the, the, the crowd, you might crowdsource the pressure and actually get those high up people fired. And they don't care how many, you know, qualified white men underneath them have to never get promoted again as long as you know as long as they can buy their house and buy their third vacation house and take care of their family and the pressures come and go like me too happened in 2017 or something and so all right we better hire a bunch of women and you're like okay we made it through that and george floyd was murdered it's like okay we better hire a bunch of black people and support black lives matter on our twitter account while we continue making missiles. And now, you know, the world's real interested in transgender rights, and so you, you support that, and that's how you stay at the top of your company and keep making missiles. And so that was my previous theory that applied to basically all companies. And, you know, university presidents, a lot of politicians, just people in power. But now I'm so, not so sure about that theory because... I got a new one that applies to a lot of the companies. And so maybe I was wrong on that one, or it's only partly that. Anyways, I'm working for a holistic view of all the wokeness. I mean, you know, maybe it's just they make you woke in college, and then they, and you hire college graduates, and that's the end of it. But 
that doesn't apply to the old people. I, I'm still I'm still looking for the perfect explanation. All right, but let's go into the, the ones that I want to talk about today. So Ethan Strauss was saying that 15% of young people today watch sports. Which, to put it another way, young people do not watch sports. They are not fans of teams and sports ball. I don't know if that's people under 18 or maybe it's Gen Z. Gen Z starts in 97, which is kind of crazy to me. So, you know, Gen Z people have kids who are about to go into middle school. Gen Z people are making pornos. Gen Z people smoked and drank too much for years and hit rock bottom and have quit. But one thing they're not doing is going to National Hockey League NHL games. And so NHL fans are the second oldest type of fan. I assume that means baseball is the oldest. And basically the fans are so old they're dying. Plus they're not uh, a part of, you know, in quotes, the demo. Advertisers pay a lot more money for people, I think, age something like 20 to 45. And it's called the demo. And if they watch your TV show, they're worth 10 times as much as like a 80-year-old. Because an 80-year-old already knows what it is they're buying at the store. You ain't changing their mind. And the NHL executives, they, you know, they see the writings on the wall. They're desperate. They're like, we need to get some younger fans. We need to get this new generation that we don't understand to be fans of the NHL. And so they hire consultants to come on in and help them. And the people that become marketing consultants, they go to fancy colleges, they live in New York or LA, they probably vote Democrat 99%. And that's what you get when you're a giant corporation and you hire people off of Madison Avenue. You probably heard of Wall Street where all the bankers are. Well, all the advertising people are on Madison Avenue in New York. And so I went online trying to see what what's going on with advertising. And there's a famous advertising business magazine. I think it's called Ad Age. And, you know, their recommendation for how to advertise to the young today is, you know, they do surveys, they do focus groups. And they're like, young people today, what they like is social media and social justice. And they, you know, they did a poll, you know, kids today don't think that your gender should define you in your purchases. And so the NHL hired marketing consultants, and the answer they got was, you need to be much more gay and much more black. And so somewhat famously, if anything in hockey can be famous, uh, the NHL has gay pride nights. It seems like all the time where the players wear rainbow jerseys and then they auction them off and donate the money to gay charities. And it pretty much only gets in the news when some player or some team refuses to do it. They got a lot of Russians. Apparently Russians are good at hockey and they're also hardcore Christians. And so, you know, it's like, hey, leave your shithole country, come to America. We'll pay you millions of dollars a year. All you have to do is, you know, pretend that you like gay stuff, even though you're a Christian. And most of them say, sounds good, but some of them won't do it. And I don't know, it's pretty obvious to me, like, this is not going to save the NHL. Like, it's true that half of high school girls identify as some sort of queer now, but I don't think 
the NHL wearing rainbow stuff is going to make these girls become fans. Uh, you know, I will leave that up to you to imagine whether or not that's going to work. Or maybe this is just the current fad. And something else the NHL did, they created, I think it was called, it was the Power Pack or the Power Project. And they got like a little bit over 20 kids designated to be in this group. And they made sure that half of them are, whatever, were girls, identified as girls at birth. Who knows what they are now? So half, we'll just say it, half girls, half boys. You know, lots of them are queer. Ten of them are inner city black kids. And they meet with the NHL president once a week. And then whatever they tell him that they like, the NHL implements it. Like Ethan Strauss, he interviewed those kids. And the kids were amazed. They're like, I can't believe it. This guy listens to what we say, and then he actually does those things. There's this thing about companies in general. Like, do you want a growth company, or do you want a cash flow company? Like, cash flow means, do you want to make money right now? And growth means, someday you're going to be huge and, you know, money in the future. Lots of money in the future. And when interest rates were lower, uh, you know, before the last couple of years... It was all about growth. You didn't need to make, you know, you could lose money. A lot of companies lost money and their stock went through the roof. And so maybe the NHL is the same, was in the same situation. They're like, you know, one young fan is equal to 10 old fans because that's growth. And I, you know, I'm just making up these numbers, but it could be the same thing with like Bud Light where they're, they're trying to get the transgender drinkers one Young transgender drinker may be equal to, you know, that you haven't actually gotten yet, but you think you might get. One possible young transgender drinker might be equal to 10 lifelong Bud Light drinkers, you know, who are in their 60s. So depending on how you weight it from the young versus the old, you may be willing to piss off a lot of old customers just to try and get chase after one young one. And Strauss, one of his jobs was he was the locker room interviewer for the Golden State Warriors, which is a national basketball team. And so he used to be in the locker room talking to them. And he was saying that they are, the basketball players are very homophobic. So it would be pretty funny if the NBA tried to make their players wear rainbow jerseys. There would be a revolt. Oh, I forgot about the NHL. So the NHL wants to create young fans. One way you might do that is to, you know, get the kids to play hockey and then they'll grow up to be fans. And so this supports my theory that the heads of missile making companies just don't want to be called racist. But so the NHL, they, they're looking for young people to play hockey. And the place that they're going to is inner city black neighborhoods. And I'm pretty sure that inner-city black kids have no interest in hockey. But even if they did, the thing is, hockey is very expensive. You need an ice rink. You need a bunch of expensive gear. Basically, the only, the only kids who are equipped to play hockey are either people who live in the northern parts where you got frozen lakes or something, or else upper-middle-class white kids. But the NHL executives are afraid of being called racist. And so they're like, screw it. Just, you know, do all our youth hockey efforts in the inner city black neighborhoods. And then back to the NBA people that Strauss knew. 
So in the, each NBA team, they have two, they have two parts. There's the operations, basketball operations side, and then there's the business side. So operations means actually involved with, you know, talking to the players and trying to win games. And then the business side, you know, that's where the marketing people are as well as whatever else. And he was saying that there was some nice gym in the Bay Area that all the, all the people who worked for the, the basketball team, they would go use this gym. And basically, it's a hell of a lot cooler to be on the basketball operations side. You're hanging out with the players, you're choosing who to draft, etc. And so the people on the business side would be like trying to buddy-buddy become friends with all the operations people at the gym. And the operations people did not like them. You know, it's a bunch of Ivy League young people probably. Anyways, the poor operations people they started working out at the gym that the players use because they just didn't want to get harassed by all the suck-ups. And so you can see it's like a high school clique where you got the, the stoners and the preppies and the jocks and no one hangs out with each other anyways. With uh, big corporations, you can have total splits where this group thinks one thing and that group thinks another and they just avoid each other and... If you put a woke, if, if the group that's woke is the marketing side, then you get all sorts of woke advertising. Now, how about corporations in general? I feel like I'm just saying the get woke, get broke thing as if it's new, but it's the same old, same old. And you know, you get woke and then your company loses a lot of money. That's what anti-woke people hope is what's happening in the world, but it's hard to say if that's the truth. Let's put it this way. I bet inflation and interest rate changes have affected companies a hundred times more than whatever they lost by getting woke. For instance, Disney has been putting out some very diverse woke movies that have been failing, but it's hard to tease everything out because they're also a bunch of bad movies. And I kind of think it's not all the race swapping and the gay kisses in children's programming. What's really making the movies flop is all the diversity in hiring for the people behind the camera. And that's just a theory. But I don't think that anyone else thinks about it like that. They're like, it was a bad movie. Why that is, no one knows. But that's why the diversity of the actors isn't the problem. And so they're half right, and it's easy to sleep at night with that, with that scenario. And I look around me now for some brands. Uh, I see a Ford truck, a Samsung phone, some ready-mix concrete, a True Temper wheelbarrow. And I would say half those brands, Ford and Samsung, would you know, crawl over their dead mother's corpse to get younger consumers to buy their product. So I think it's, it's not an issue of whether or not you get woke and then you lose a bunch of money. I think, I think brands are fine with that. The question is, if you get woke, does that make a bunch of young consumers who normally don't give a shit about you to start caring? And my guess is the answer is to that one is no. I mean, maybe Samsung phone, but I think young people buying Ford cars, uh, that's going to be based on price probably, number one. I mean, that's a pretty expensive purchase to base on some gay kiss in a commercial. 
And then Katie Herzog was talking about NPR. And they've always been left-leaning. I mean, I've been listening to NPR for 20 years or more. Um, But they got woke. You know, Trump and then especially George Floyd, they kind of went off the deep end. And I will say, they have come back quite a bit. I mean, especially since the George Floyd deep end. They've, I don't know, they're treading water now. Why is it you went off the deep end? Shouldn't it be you went into the deep end? But anyways, NPR has laid off 10% of their workers, or they're in the process, and they've canceled a number of their highfalutin, super highly polished and produced podcasts. And Katie was saying that NPR, like the average NPR listener who donates to their local NPR station, that is a very old, left-leaning white person. It's probably like a left-wing version of the right-wing hockey fans. Getting old, and you're going to need to be replaced, or you're going to go out of business. And Katie has made a point to talk to old people who listen to NPR and ask them if they like the direction that NPR has been going in for the last few years, and they don't like it. That was a little surprising to me. I mean... I think they like I would think they like to hear false accusations of racism because it ties into their Trump derangement syndrome, but according to Katie, I've asked zero people. So according to her, these old lefties, they're not fond of what NPR has become. Just constantly talking about race or whatever the latest marginalized group is, they gotta lift up and make false accusations about. And so I listen to the Up First podcast, which is NPR's fifteen minute news roundup every morning. And so I hear ads for their other podcasts, like Invisibilia. I think it's kind of famous. Or they certainly have, I've certainly heard a lot of ads for it. I don't even know what the hell it's about. And the other one that got, so that got canceled, another one that got canceled that I've heard ads for over and over and over is one called Louder Than a Riot. And I thought it was more about the history of hip-hop. It's some sort of woke thing... Black people talking about hip-hop. I mean, basically, I assumed it was black people talking about the history of hip-hop, saying how America's racist and white people are racist, maybe, you know, not mentioning that it was Jewish people that screwed over the musical artist, you know, not saying, oh, and then another Jew did it, but, you know, but saying, you know, Eisenberg did it, and then Goldberg did that. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. That's just kind of what I imagine. But anyways, the Up First podcast that I listen to, they don't have a show on Sunday, but they still put something out. And normally I don't listen to it, but because Louder Than Araya got canceled, and then this Sunday they did kind of a mishmash of Up First. The Up First lady was kind of interviewing the Louder Than Araya people, or something, I don't know. Basically, after I'm done talking about this stuff, I'm going to play you a clip of Louder Than a Riot, and you can, you'll see what I'm talking about. But Katie has, knows people who work at NPR, and apparently Louder Than a Riot gets low five-figure number of listeners. Maybe she said five figures. I think she said low. Anyways, so it might get as small a listening audience as 10,000 people. And so my podcast, more people have been listening to it lately. I have about 150 people that listen to each episode. And I do this on Spotify. They used to call it Anchor.fm. They changed the name to Spotify for Podcasters or something. 
basically the only free place to do it. Otherwise, you got to pay them. But apparently, Spotify will pay me $10 for every 1,000 listeners. And I have 150 listeners, so I don't get any money. But that would mean that the Louder Than a Riot podcast is making... Let's see, you have 10,000 listeners, 10 times 10. They're making 100 bucks per episode. And let's say it was high five figures number of listeners. So that'd be 90,000, which would mean they were making 900 bucks an episode. I mean, which for me, boy, I wish. But so it made me go on Twitter and find the Louder Than a Riot uh, Twitter account. And they had a group picture of the people who make the show. So, you know, these are NPR employees. And there was 10 of them. There were zero white men amongst the group. I can't remember exactly. I think there was like five butch lesbians, uh, a gay black man, a Hispanic man, and then some women of color that may or may not be lesbian but aren't butch. Anyways, incredibly diverse. And apparently they all are losing their jobs or maybe they'll be moved to something else. But so NPR... They're getting woke, they're doing their radio stuff, but they can see that young people don't listen to the radio, so that's why they're, I don't think I mentioned that. That's why NPR is going into podcasting. They can see that's the future, it's the internet version of radio. And they're like, we need to get into podcasting and we need to get a bunch of kids to listen to us. They're like, hire 10 ultra diverse people and put out a hip hop is racist or misogynist. I think it's actually, I think the show is actually about hip hop being misogynist. But anyways, they're making maybe $100 a week, and I don't think they do it 52 weeks a year. They're making $100 a week, and they got to try and pay 10 employees with that 100 bucks. Otherwise, they're losing money. And, you know, I'm listening to NPR over the years. I'm watching NBC Nightly News on YouTube, and I used to watch it on TV. So I've been keeping track of these things. And basically, they got woke, and now they are getting less woke. So I think the answer of get woke, get a ton of young people to just start tuning in to your old fogey-ass show, uh, I think they're realizing that don't work. All right, here's the clip from Louder Than a Riot. I'll probably start it by saying, here's the clip. So that'll be three times. Here's the clip, four. Here's a clip. Lanes is a Canadian hip-hop artist. You might have heard his 2016 song, Love, which was nominated for a Grammy. Everyone falls in love sometimes. But lately, instead of talking about his music, people are talking about Lanes in connection with something he did. In December 2022, Lanes was found guilty of three felonies for shooting another rapper, Megan Thee Stallion, in both feet. When the trial began last December, plenty of fans came out to share their opinions. Some sided with Megan. I'm feeling very emotional right now. I'm just wishing the best for Megan, and I love her so much. We just wanted to be here to show moral support to Megan and to any other woman that has been harmed. And if you do speak up, that there's a community of women and gender expansive folks who believe you, that love you, that care for you, and that are here for you. Although plenty of people felt it was Tory who was getting a raw deal. Not guilty. Not guilty. He, he's a real spiritual dude, man. He has God with him. And it, the truth will come out, and he'll be not guilty. If she's lying about being in an affair with him, if she's lying about different things, then obviously 
what else would she lie about? I see right-wing people on the internet saying that the Bud Light boycott is working. And the fact that Bud Light and Anheuser-Busch stopped using their social media accounts for eight days or something, they're back. I mean, that's a data point in favor of the boycott working. But what I hear a lot of people saying is that the stock price of, you know, InBev, the thing that owns Bud Light, you know, they lost $5 billion, the boycott's working. But, you know, if you look at their stock price over the last year, I think it's way up. If you look, you know, it just, it goes up, it goes down, you can't tell. It maybe went down a little bit and then came back because of the boycott, or else the boycott was just completely lost in the noise. It's annoying. Some people I really respect about their thinking and their honesty about stuff, anyways, they're still still getting sucked into the stock price proving something, which I think it, it has not done that yet. Or possibly it's proven that the boycott did not work. And then there's something called NIQ, which I think is not a good acronym for a company, but anyways, it used to be called Nielsen IQ. I think it's related to the Nielsen Corporation that tells you TV ratings. But somehow they track light beers amongst probably many things and so the week of the boycott bud light was down 10 percent coors light was up six percent and miller light was up 20 percent so oh the boycott's working but the week before the boycott bud light was down six percent which is you know it's probably a seasonal thing anyways there are numbers that can be looked at see what it does the next week or something. Or if, you know, if there's a long-term trend, then maybe it means something. But at this point, that is also not proving anything. But at least stock price and this Nielsen IQ Bud Light sales thing, they are real numbers that you can look at. They haven't proven that it works, but there may be a way to finally prove that it works and it's not just BS opinion. And then Rasmussen, speaking of opinion, they're a right-wing... Um, pollster company and they did a poll on it and so they asked a thousand adults in America do you support or oppose the boycott of Anheuser-Busch and 54% support the boycott 30% oppose the boycott and 16% are not sure and so that doesn't tell you if the boycott is working or not but it answers one question I had, which is, is America even aware that there is something going on with Bud Light and transgender blah blah? And it looks like the answer is, America knows. They know what's going on. They're picking a side. You can't boycott if you, didn't, if you don't know a boycott's going on. So people are aware. And corporations are trying to appeal to these young people who are destroying our country from the inside. But... You know who else corporations are trying to appeal to? Who are maybe destroying our country from the inside? Women. And so, you know, sometimes the brain knows that something is true, but the heart just can't go there. And, you know, evolution has prioritized what other people think of you. As a woman, that's very important. How do you look, you know? Are you about to get pregnant and pass on your DNA because you look good? So therefore, maybe you should go out and spend a ton, you know, the amount of money you spend on makeup and clothing, you can never spend too much, you know, until you got so many kids tying you down that, well, then you don't have to buy those things. 
And so I know it's evolution, but I look at the stuff that women buy and I'm just like, that's stupid. Like when I was trying to come up with products to mention earlier in this podcast, like I, you know, here, here's, what, here's what I really see around me. I see PVC plumbing parts. I see five gallon buckets full of stuff to make, you know, wood to make stuff out of, metal to weld, etc. I see an air compressor, I see a plasma cutter, I see two chainsaws. I mean, you know, I see four socket sets, it goes on and on. Anyways, that's the stuff I like. And so the idea of buying clothing, I don't know, I look at my clothing. I got some Carhartt overalls on, so there's a brand there. Anyways, I can't relate. But the Bud Light marketing executive, she didn't specifically talk about transgender, but when she was talking about who they wanted to reach out to, she was talking about women. And so, well, I don't think that young people are going to buy Bud Light because of a stupid transgender um, media blitz. It may be that women are just dumb enough, you know, just stupid enough like a fox to start buying Bud Light. Some breaking news. The uh, Bud Light vice president of marketing who maybe was in charge of making stuff woke. Uh, she's no longer with the company. I'm not saying she fired, she was fired or that she quit or it was maybe it was mutual or I forget how they described it, but someone else is doing that job now. Oh, I'm starting to know too much. And now you're gonna know too much. So Dylan Mulvaney, the transgender woman at the heart of all these controversies, is 26 years old. They have a Bachelor of Fine Arts from someplace. I don't think this is a Ivy League individual. And they were somewhat of a working actor. They were in the traveling version of the play Book of Mormon. And they don't think they were the star, but whatever. They got probably a free bus ticket from city to city and made some money. And then I think it was the pandemic. Boy, it's always the pandemic. You know, it's interesting. I went, I went on Google. It used to be if you typed in Google COVID deaths in the United States, Google had a graph, like a graph made by Google that was nice and easy to read. But that no longer exists. So whatever that means. But the pandemic started. I think Dylan was left alone with their own thoughts, which was maybe not a good thing. And they became non-binary. And previously, as Katie Herzog puts it, they had been a theater fag. And then I guess 365 days before the Bud Light promotion thing happened, they decided to be a girl. Like, they're not like, I'm a woman. I'm a 26-year-old woman, or 25 at the time. I'm a girl. And the way they dress is... They dress like... They dress like a little girl whose mom dresses them. And when your mom is dressing you, you can do whatever fun... It's like a doll. It's like a living doll. You can put whatever the hell you want on them. You can put a, you know, red and white polka dot dress on them. And I'm not sure, but I think, you know, Dylan is... Whatever. When they, after 365 days, they said it was womanhood. Instead, of it was girlhood for 364 days, but now it's womanhood. Anyways, I think Dylan dresses... Well, Dylan's always wearing... Well, ultra feminine, you know, like... 
The women I know wear jeans and a fucking t-shirt. But anyways, that is not what she wears. She's putting on ball gowns and, you know, white gloves that go above the elbows when she's not dressing like a six-year-old or taking a bubble bath with the bubbles strategically placed over the nipples that would be totally allowed on Instagram. So she doesn't dress like a real woman. She definitely doesn't act like a real woman. Like, I like the term theater fag. I feel Katie Katie is a lesbian, so she can say it, but I'm just going to keep saying it. But Dylan acts like a theater fag. They don't act like someone who really is thinking that they're the other gender. They're just like super flamboyant gay person, and they happen to have a dress on. And now it's like, this is, you know, they've gone uber gay or something. And I'm keeping an eye out for a crash and burn. I mean, I think... Uh, you know, you know, she kind of reminds me of my ninth grade Spanish teacher. So in ninth grade Spanish, we had this teacher, and she was just happy, like happier than sh- you should be. Very annoying. It's very annoying for someone to just be insanely happy when there's no reason to be happy, and it just it made the class hate her. And the class treated her like shit. We got her to break down and cry in class one time. You know, maybe the teacher is bipolar. We should have been nicer. I I was not the ringleader. But Dylan is just, on a scale of 1 to 10, she's an 11 for cheerfulness. And maybe that's just what you put forward on Instagram. And I'm sure, yeah, you know, it's, you know, surprise, reality TV is not real. Anyways, that's, that's what she puts forward. But I think it is also kind of her personality. And so Katie was saying she thought that maybe she would dislike Dylan after she did a big old deep dive watching tons of her videos. And she's like, you know, she's just a fucking super cheerful person, so it's hard to hate her. And then some people on the right, they've been trying to make woman face happen, like blackface. And I guess that's what I'll say. That's what what Dylan Mulvaney is like. They're not taking any drugs to grow breasts or... I mean, I guess they're tucking, I don't know, but they're not really doing much. What they look like is, and act like, is someone doing drag. They, they're like a, they are, they are a gay man doing drag. She did get facial feminization surgery. I mean, basically, not too long ago, you just be like, you're doing drag all day long. Or you're making drag videos, or whatever. And I'm not sure what that says about America, that... The number one transgender famous person in the world that people like, people hate Caitlyn Jenner, uh, is someone who's just basically doing drag. Maybe we like drag. I mean, back in the day when you had minstrel shows with blackface, people liked watching those shows, I guess. And, you know, I think going back to Shakespeare or going back to the Greeks or whatever, you had men dressing up as women for plays, so... You know, men dressing up in women's clothing is not new. So maybe there's something about evolution that makes people like to watch that. And then there's Bud Light, but also Dylan is working with Nike women, you know, modeling the sports bra on a, whatever, a chest that doesn't need it. And so it's like, what is Nike known for? Uh, they're known for super expensive basketball. And this is, you know, just in my mind, they're known for super expensive basketballs that Young black teens that and men that can't afford them still buy them and then 
sometimes murder each other over them. I guess some Air Jordans sold for, I think, $2.5 million the other day, and they were supposed to go for a lot more, so the, the sneaker market is down. And then Nike is also known for having their apparel made in sweatshops over in Asia. They're known for Michael Jordan and basketball, you know, what other basketball star? I don't know, but Michael Jordan and some other famous basketball stars. Makes me think, I got a pair of Air Forces in about 95 that were vintage at a, vint at a Goodwill, and they were, like, they were like brand new. They were already 10 years old at the time. They'd probably be worth 1000 unless they're worth $100,000 today. But because they were 10 years old and they had that little window in the side that showed you the air part, I wore them and like within 30 minutes, the air things had popped and I threw them in the trash. And those were David Robinson's shoes, if you remember him. But so Michael Jordan, also they're known for Colin Kaepernick. And basically what's, you know, Colin Kaepernick is known for calling America racist. And that probably goes well with getting the young men to buy the shoes that gets them murdered. Um, it pisses off people on the right. I think Nike is like, we don't want people talking about sweatshops. We want, we want, we want to confuse left-wing people. I don't think left-wing, left-wingers are like, we love Nike. But I think Nike, they've either stumbled into a plan or they're doing it on purpose, in which case it's 4D chess, which is... Confuse the left-wingers because, yeah, they got sweatshops, but boy, they really are pissing off people on the right that I hate. And so if that is their 4D chess, then getting a transgender person that people on the right absolutely despise is perfect branding for them. A settlement was reached in the Fox News versus Dominion. Dominion was a voting machine company. Fox is paying like $750 million, huge amount, almost a billion. And I guess the settlement happened at the, right as the trial was about to start. So all the other mainstream media companies were really sad. They weren't going to be able to show footage of Tucker Carlson and other Fox employees on the stand having to answer why they said that the election was stolen on the TV, but then in private... Uh, emails and texts they said they knew the election was not stolen so maybe fox paid this money to just put this stuff behind them i guess they make about twice as much per year so half a year's profits got spent on this and maybe four or five years ago the guy who had like created fox news and had been the guy in charge for many years he got me too'd and so when a man gets me, you know, when the head of a company has been doing bad stuff with women, then what you do is you hire a woman to replace him. So that's what Fox did. And so, you know, basically it was an affirmative action diversity hire. And then someone's head has to roll for all this bad press about Fox News. And so I think, I think they're blaming her. So we'll see if it's been long enough since the Me Too that they don't have to hire another woman or... I mean, if this is a racial thing, it's not a racial thing, otherwise they'd be hiring a black person. I mean, basically, this is when you'd hire a Democrat, except for I don't think Fox News will do that. But NPR was talking about the case the other day, and they were using the word lies, like, over and over, like, just, 
just like if any time they talk about Trump, they're like, Trump said the lie that blah, blah, blah. You know, they'll, they'll get, you know, every every few sentences, they'll get the word lie in there. They were doing it with Fox News also. And I guess it's basically been a judgment. I guess the, the judge found that Fox said things that were untrue. Fox, Fox is, uh, they paid enough money that they don't have to issue an apology. But basically, they did lie, and it's kind of official, but it's buried in the paperwork somewhere, so I don't know if it matters. And if you'll remember, when Donald Trump lost in 2020, Fox was like, sweet, now we don't have to deal with this motherfucker anymore. We're going to wash our hands of him. He's crazy. We don't like him. And then, and that was kind of how their coverage was, without the cussing. And then the Fox News viewers were like, we're out of here. You know, the election was stolen. If you don't talk about the election being stolen, we're going over to the other right-wing news channels. And so Fox turned their frown upside down or whatever, and then they started having started talking about the election being stolen a bunch. And Donald Trump is running for election right now, and all his fans are watching Fox News, so we'll see if we'll see what Fox does in the future. I mean, I think losing half a year's profits is just fine to keep your audience. You lose your audience, you lose every year, every future year's profits. And as a reminder, CNN, I think the Washington Post, maybe a bunch of other outlets, they all lost a defamation case against Nicholas Sandman, who was the teenager who was accused of being a racist with the Native American guy banging the drum in front of his face. And I don't think he got a billion dollars. Um, I guess let's put it this way. CNN, I'm sure, as we speak right now, is throwing around false accusations of racism. But they know that now you just now you just call America racist or you call the police racist. You don't name specific people, especially teenagers. So I think, you know, whatever the equivalent of that is for Fox, that's how they'll move forward. Sudan is in the news for... Uh, war. Some Americans are trapped. And Sudan used to be one country, and then it became Sudan and South Sudan. And it's across the water from Saudi Arabia and Africa. And so the original Sudan was racist or something because they had black Africans, and then they had Arab Africans who had moved over from basically what is now Saudi Arabia, you know, hundreds of years ago. And for some reason, the blacks always get the short end of the stick. And so, anyways, five years ago or something, they split the country up, and then the Arabs could kind of rule one thing, and then the South Sudanese could have another. And there was hope that the South Sudan would turn into this wonderful democracy and be, a, be the example that all the other, you know, sub-Saharan African countries could emulate, but... It has since turned into a civil war shithole with chopping off body parts and stuff. And then the, what is now called Sudan, uh, I don't know. I don't think they were doing that good, but you know, maybe they could have a democracy. They had a little bit of democracy along with uh, the army controlling everything. And now the army is fighting itself. And so it's in the news. But I was watching, I think, NBC Nightly News, and they showed a picture. They're like, this general is fighting that general. And I was like, their feature, their facial features are pretty interesting. 
So you might you might check that out. And they just did a prisoner exchange between Saudi Arabia and Yemen. It's another war that's going on. And that's a war where America has been helping Saudi Arabia kill tons of people against international law in Yemen. I don't know, it's been going on for 10 years. I think it started under Obama. So if you're ever looking for, you know, where's a where's where's a war besides Iraq and Afghanistan where America's breaking international law? Well, Yemen. But maybe that war is winding down finally. And south of the border, El Salvador is in the news. I'm not exactly sure why right now, but they've been cracking down on crime and it seems to be working. I think what happened was a bunch of people from El Salvador left their country. They moved to America. I'm not sure when, 10, 20 years ago. They became a bunch of gang bangers, like uh, MS-13, etc. And then America deported them. When we caught them being criminals here, we deported them back. And then they brought their MS-13 and gang mentality back to El Salvador and made that place a real shithole. I think, I think it was leading the world in murders. And they got a new president, I think in 2019. I don't know, he didn't do all this stuff right off the bat. But this president, he said he was going to get tough on crime, and I think about a year ago, he started getting tough on crime. And so the cops just went out and they arrested anyone who looked like a gangbanger, or whatever, a criminal. I think he created a prison that holds like 50,000 people, like a city prison. And they threw all these people in prison, and the number of murders have been cut in half. I heard it's as safe as Delaware or something. I don't know. I don't know about the numbers. They don't seem to match up because I've heard that they were the murder capital of the world. And then I heard that they cut it in half, and I heard they're as safe as Delaware. So I'm sure being twice as bad as Delaware is not make you the murder capital. But anyways, somehow the numbers add up to an amazing crime reduction. And I think he's the most popular president in the world. His people love him. And I heard an estimate that 20% of the so-called criminals that get thrown in prison are innocent. And there's no trial, there's no jury, you don't get a lawyer, they just, if the cops grab you, boom, you go to prison. And then maybe they'll let you out if they want. But there's an interesting woke, anti-woke aspect to it, which is that if you're woke, you're like, this is intolerable. You can't be throwing people into jail. I mean, like in America, right? If you're woke, if you're woke enough, you're like, I don't care if they're a murderer. Don't throw them into jail. You know, jail is racist. That's worse than any murder. That's worse than murder and rape. So basically, El Salvador is kind of like how we wish, <laughs> how some people wish would happen to Chicago. In Chicago, they're like, just throw these people in prison. We don't care. And then there's the other side saying, that's racist, let them run wild. And so now we're going to get to see what happens when you do it with a country. Because you might see countries all across the world going, oh, I see, following the woke stuff that the, you know, the West forces upon us doesn't work. We need to throw these criminals in jail. And it works fabulously. And you get reelected. Or maybe it's working in El Salvador for some reason that won't be replicated in other countries. And Saudi Arabia is starting to get a little bit friendly with Iran. The whole Yemen war is because they hate Iran. So maybe that's kind of ending. And then Israel and America are not super fond of that because they want Saudi Arabia on their side because they hate Iran too. 
and then climate change or maybe just because we've been keeping track more lately but Thailand got to 114 degrees the other day the hottest they've ever gotten to maybe it's God's wrath for the Thai ladyboys and someone in India had sex nine months ago and now India has passed up China as the country with the largest population and Ukraine not a lot's going on Russia's still winning a little bit better in Bakhmut. We're waiting to see if either country has a big uh, offensive coming. And remember how we had like a grain shortage and Russia wouldn't let the boats with the grain go to Africa and blah blah? Well, I guess the grain is at least getting over to Europe because a bunch of the countries kind of on the ones closest to Ukraine are starting to ban Ukrainian wheat because it's too cheap and messing up their farmers. Little Elon Musk fanboy update. I'm not sure that things are going great with all his little endeavors. Over at Twitter, he took away the blue checks from everyone who wasn't paying for one. And a lot of the people who had the blue check were just quote, uh, woke, quote-unquote, journalists. But I don't know if Twitter's doing that great, or if this is really a win for anti-woke or not. And then Tesla had a first quarter earnings announcement thing the other day. And they admitted that the reason why they're lowering the prices of cars is because they're not selling enough of them. And kind of long story short, for Tesla, it's, it's all coming down to the AI. If these cars can drive you around while you're like completely asleep if they can do that soon then yes tesla just wins huge and selling more cars at a lower profit margin is perfect but they've been saying that these cars will be full self-driving you know it's always a few months away or something and it still ain't here so we're waiting on that and then spacex finally launched its giant rocket starship and Elon said, if it doesn't blow up on the launch pad, then it's a success. Anything other than blowing up right there on, you know, on the surface of the Earth is a success. And it did go like 20 miles up. But then they had to send a signal to it to blow it up there because it was starting to spin out of control. And I would say it's not really as big a success as, I don't know, as he wanted to... He was trying to set the bar low so that it looked better than it is. And this is the first time any of the Starship stuff has gone flying in about two years. That was how I became a fanboy was, you know, maybe about three years ago. They were shooting up these rockets and the rockets were exploding and they were doing it every couple months and it was awesome. Like, you know, oh, that one exploded. Who cares? You got another one coming in two months. And in fact, it makes for awesome video. But now when you're waiting two years in between launches, uh, you know, you want it to go better. And it's not exactly clear what went wrong, but normally rockets have something called a flame diverter. Because a rocket is a dildo-shaped object that has constant explosions coming out of one end that makes it fly. And normally that fire, the, you know, fire end down, pointy end up. And normal, the fiery end points at something that kind of aims the fire away from the ground, I guess. Whatever. It diverts the flame. 
it's a flame diverter. You can just imagine that. But what it does is it makes everything go well. And maybe the idea is if you take this rocket to the moon or you take it to Mars, there ain't going to be no giant flame diverter already there built for you. So let's see how it works if you just blast it off a <laughs> flat piece of concrete, basically. And so that's what they did. And the answer is it digs a hole in the concrete that was like, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 feet deep. Like I say, it's a dildo-shaped object with an explosion on one end. So it blew up the concrete. And there's video of concrete chunks, you know, as big as your head, flying through the air, hundred, you know, football field after football field distance away from where the rocket was. And so the rocket has 33 engines at the bottom, each of which pushes with the power of 230 tons. And right off the bat, some of the engines weren't working, maybe three to six of them. And so we don't have the official word, but my theory is, while head-sized pieces of concrete were shooting off in all directions, probably a bunch of them shot right back up the rocket skirt and messed it up. So basically, SpaceX is very lucky that the whole thing didn't just blow up right there. And SpaceX is saying, well, they thought it would work out, but it makes me think that maybe investors needed to see some action. Like right now, they're getting anxious. And so they just went for it anyways. You know, there's the fam I don't know if it's true. The famous story is that uh, Ronald Reagan, he needed the space shuttle to go off so he would look good for something or other. And they didn't want to do it. And he said, do it. And that was when the space shuttle blew up and killed all those people. Twitter handle, at Anti-Woke Podcast. Please tell a friend about this podcast. And thanks for listening.